I'm gonna be early everywhere because I'm you're, used to driving out. You're gonna be totally sick of us. We're gonna oh, yeah. see you all the time. Awesome. Mr. Richard. Anyone in the room with Richard? Richard, Richard. Oh! Yeah. My dad. This guy's got a major exam tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Mm -hmm. So not only are we praying that uh, Peter be eloquent, Get that Peter. but succinct. So that I can go home and go to bed. Who's got an exam? I'm sorry. It is hard Peter. to be succinct okay. while there's so many announcements. <laughs> I knew that was coming. Yeah. <laughs> We just What's your example? Right now. But uh, he's got some kind of financial <laughs> thing. Huh? Serious D2. Oh, wow. So, bottom line is this. Most of you pray the uh, Shakri prayers. Most of you are putting on your tallit. Most of you are rapping and so forth. So, um, it would be a, a personal request of mine that you pray for my son-in-law. Let alone the personal request that he has. If you would pray for him on my behalf, I would be grateful only because of my daughter. <laughs> there it is. And for no other reason. <laughs> and for no other reason. Your red shirt means nothing. Um, I don't think I really reached the conclusion on that, but I can take it three times if I have to. Nice. Maybe all right. Yeah, no. Be good. Will I be eating this, Peter? Sure. Yes, you will. Have a good morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was good gold. Do you know what that says? To fill in? To fill in. So, the Tzadi class has found a righteous man in need of to fill in. And it's for you. Rukasham! For those of you who don't know, um, I challenged Nehemiah to uh, to pray was uh, to lead on to pray Shakari and to learn how to do that. And then I asked him if he was rapping, and of course he said no because he. You can't like to fill in without it. Uh, so I lent him my uh, my travel extra pair, which, quite frankly, some of you know, has had uh, a lot of wear and tear, and even went up to Canada and uh, international to fill. International to fill in. Um, so I'm gonna need I'm gonna need my pair back, Bubba. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Um, so uh, Nehemiah, you have demonstrated to every man here a desire to grow and to be a tzaddik and I just uh, I just pray that every time you put that on you'll take the opportunity to pray for every guy in this room yes, sir. and to lift up the men that love and care for you yes sir yes, mazel tov I think we're learning about the offerings. Peter, bring us on, brother. Okay. I am wearing my bicycle socks. I did ride with my electric assist bicycle. I just wanted to share that with everyone. I'm doing that every day.
Seven. Seven. Serotonin booster. You're doing all right, buddy. I'm okay. It's important. Cool. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Greg, Greg said something last week. Sure did. And that's what this is about. Sacrifice is basically a discourse by Rabbi Schneer Zalman. He's the founder of the Chabad movement. He did a little thing on sacrifices one time. That's what I'm going to do as well. But I didn't make a sideshow because it seemed like this was kind of an easy one. So I'm just going we'll to be the judge of that. Draw stuff. It is. I mean, it's it's still a little bit intellectual, but you just I don't think we're going to do a sideshow. Can you? It's Chabad. So can you? Can you come about three feet closer? Yeah, absolutely. Good. No. Three feet. Yeah, we're, we're more worried about your voice, not the picture. Oh, me! Well, we'll take we the, we'll take that too. Yeah. Yeah, this is more intimate. Yeah, intimate. But we're into intimate. Yeah. <laughs> Intimacy. But there was a good yeah, bit of glare on it in its previous location, so this is also good for that. We've deglared. I'm gonna write the verse that we're doing in this here. Okay, so it just takes me a while to write. Are we writing a method statement? If a man, that's what it should be. It's not that though. So there's a verse. It's Leviticus one two. It's the man brings of you a sacrifice. That's the first part of it. So it says wooden translation. Yeah, it's pretty wooden. So it says in Leviticus one two, like Lord says Moshe saying, speak to the children of Israel and tell them when a man brings of you a sacrifice of the animal, of the cattle, and of the sheep, shall you bring their sacrifice. I I'm not gonna write the whole thing because it takes me a while to write with the whiteboard, but just memorize that real quick. If a man brings of you a sacrifice to Hashem of the animal of the cattle and of the sheep shall you bring your sacrifice uh, question are you sure that's Leviticus 1-2 I'm pretty sure it's Leviticus 1-2 but it could be Leviticus 2-1 it's 1-2 Leviticus 21 is it 1-2 uh, your Mormon Bible is yeah. not working correctly well <laughs> it's 1-2 it's not gonna your, your, all English translations have to play with the Hebrew to make it a little less wooden and normally it comes out like, if any man yeah, one, among you... One, two says, speak to the people oh, yeah, of Israel and say yeah, to them, right. when any one of you We're brings good. an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of the Mormons is translated the herd of your... Right. Or from the flock. There are a couple problems with the actual Hebrew in this. And one of them would be that it starts off key with, with uh, third person, if a man brings... And the last part says, of you a sacrifice, of the animal, of the cattle, of the sheep, shall you bring your sacrifice. So, so it ends in second, second person. person. Mm. Starts off in third, ends in second. That's a problem. Mm. Another thing is that if a man brings is in singular, but um, your, shall you bring your sacrifice, it's using the plural, like you shall bring y'all's sacrifice. So it starts off in singular, ends in plural. Hmm. So it's a parallelism, like Shiva. 
possibly. The word um, of you should have been stuck before brings, should be a man of you brings, but it's a man brings of you. Hmm. Hmm? Everybody acknowledge the problems? Probably not. There seems to be a bunch of problems. I guess, I guess the discourse kind of arose from this idea, it's a thoroughly Jewish idea, that the Torah is the divine will. It's like the divine will, will wrapped in Hebrew letters. And um, the Torah is truth. It's completely truth. And it's all truth. And there's nothing that's not in the Torah. There's nothing in the Torah that's not applicable. And because the Torah is divine will, it's, it's outside of time. So that means every verse in the Torah is somehow applicable to us right now. And so Rabbi Shneur Zalman was wondering what this, how the whole sacrificial system, and this is the verse he chose, but how the whole, whole idea could be applicable to us without a temple how can, how can we apply all these complex um, sacrificial things to us? Right? So that's where, that's where the, the discourse arises from, is from that kind of question. So we will now start talking about things. So um, first, kind of a basic, is that every person, every, every man has two souls. One would be the um, divine the godly soul, and one would be the animal soul, right? Speaking of souls, um, today is that guy's birthday, yeah. which is the why I remember birthdays is it's the first day that the body and the soul actually join together, or decide, decide to take birthday. part in the world together. Today, yeah. So we're in the last couple of minutes of um, Rabbi Schneers. Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson's birthday, the Lubavitcher Rabbi Yud Aleph Nissen. Is his birthday? Um, really cool guy. I just read a biography on him. This is not him, obviously, but it's his. It's one of his ancestors. Yeah. So it would have been much cooler if I was doing the discourse from him, but that's what I did first. That in was a way, like, you are. Kind of. He was in his loins, if you will. If you're gonna listen to the <laughs> book of Hebrews. Um, all right. So every every person has two souls. If I, if I may, I just quickly, for those who may be, as I said on Shabbat, a little put off with the whole idea of two souls, raised in the, in the visible expression of the church today, we would never think that a guy's got two souls. Okay. But we were raised to believe that there is a Yetzer Hurrah and a Yetzer Tov. There is this, this, this uh, walking in the flesh, as Paul puts it, and walking in the spirit, as Paul puts it. And and if I'm not mistaken, that's really the concept of the two different souls. Is that not correct? That's incorrect, but it's very close. Um, it's just a problem because more like the Yesahara is an offshoot of the animal soul. But the animal soul is not evil. It's just the same soul. We're using the word soul as life force. And there's two conflicting life forces. So, what what's um, what's running through the blood in our bodies, specifically the blood, 
is this animal life force. So just like the, all animals. The have life of the flesh is in the blood, and this exactly. would be the soul of the animal. Right, it says the soul of the flesh is yeah. in the blood. Yeah. That's what it's talking about, is the animal soul. But then at the same time, he you know, his own. God has breathed into us the soul. Okay. That's the godly soul. Okay. And so that's another life force that raises us above animals, the right. speaking a speaking being. Right. When it comes to Hebrew, there's like a whole bunch of different right. words for soul. Yeah. So, right. right. So we're well beyond the net just the simple levels. Because I, I, I thought there was five, five, five different levels of the soul. Levels, yep. So, but, but all those are of the animal soul or of the... The five different levels of the soul, Nefeshuach, Shama, Chaya, Yechida, is all godly soul. Okay. Um, Animal soul may have corresponding levels going down, okay. but nefesh is pretty much what everyone just calls the animal soul. Because it's all physical, and nefesh is the lowest level. Anyway, that's all very common. It doesn't matter. Think of it as the two... Soul. The What's animal that? soul is looking for um, materialistic... Um, the stuff animals look for, food, stuff like that. Uh, the animal soul would be what... If a man wants to eat a meal, the animal soul would want to eat the meal to fulfill its hunger. The godly soul would want to eat the meal to give it strength enough to serve yeah, Hashem. It's a, just a different perspective yeah. on life. So, um, That's good, thanks. Okay. Well, these two souls, they, they have, um, where do they come from? Right. Well, the godly soul, um, sages tell us, comes from um, supernal man. You could say Ezekiel has a vision, and there's a chariot, and the chariot is made up of angels, like the chayot, and they have like four faces, animal faces, and the man face, and then above the chariot there's a, like the semblance of a throne, and then above the throne there's like the semblance of a man on the throne. So what this is, what he's really looking at is these four different universes, and he's looking up and he can see. So at the very top is this man. Or so he just tell us what he's looking at is um, that man is really the Sephirot. So the, the very initial way that God expresses himself to all of creation is through this, these divine channels. Like, um, that's how he reveals himself. So Manifestations, I, as it were, of like God's attributes. Sure, like, like um, loving kindness and wisdom and understanding and knowledge and all the things that we can describe, um, the infinite, unknowable God, they're all, we're all getting these um, descriptions through the Sephirot. Well, we know the Sephirot are the man that he saw because, because the Sephirot correspond to the body. You know, like the right arm, Chesed, left arm, Gevorah, they all, they all correspond to body parts. And it says in Genesis that um, God made man according to his image. So sages, sages are saying that he made him. So it's not that the sephirot correspond to our body, it's that our body corresponds to the sephirot. Mm-hmm. So there's this, there's this supernal man, like this man, of, but it's not a real man, obviously. God is not a, a man, but he's, he's um, it looks like a man to Ezekiel because it's shaped like a man. Got that, right? So that's important, though. So the the godly soul comes from this supernal man, and on its way down to our 
world, it goes through, this is what they say, it goes through the face of the man in the chariot. It's a chariot with the four uh, faces on it. It's an uh, ox, eagle, lion, man. The soul of the godly soul goes through the man. Just It's just coming down, getting constricted and constricted and constricted until it finally comes into this body. Okay. The idea is that it's very lofty. It's a very, um, it's a very um, close to a shepherd. Because the man's the highest thing. And so the question is asked, where does the animal soul come from? It does, doesn't come from the same place. And so they say the animal soul comes from the face of the ox. Hmm. So, like I said, they had the chariot, and we had the throne, and then the man. The godly soul comes from the man, and it comes down through one of the faces, the faces of the man. Hmm. But the, the animal soul just comes from one of the faces which is the face of the ox. And then how does it get down into this world? It goes through what they call the dregs, the dregs of the opening, like some dirty place of some angel. Like, you know, the dregs. The dregs of the opening. So anyway, all that to say, it's coming from this level of, of where the angels are at, and it's, it's a lot lower than the godly soul. So animals are a lot lower than us in, in many regards. They don't have the principles most of them. Mostly, yeah. Mostly. The ultimate purpose we learn in of the soul's journey to this earth. What do you think it is? Say it again. The ultimate purpose of the soul's journey. To return to Hashem. To return? To go back? Do I was just sent here to begin with? Not a clue. You've got to... thought it was a cool answer. Is it? That's probably yeah. Was it, is this about that idea to descend to ascend? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, kind of. So, you go higher level. So the idea, according to Shneur Zalman, Rabbi Shneur Zalman, is the whole purpose of the soul is to um, subdue and transform the animal soul. Hmm. So the godly soul is sent down to the world with this animal soul. They're stuck in one body, and the whole idea is I'm going to subdue this evil inclination that the animal soul gives rise to and transform it so that the animal soul actually desires Hashem. Mm. Wow. Mm. This is... That'll change your life. Yeah, well, this is the whole... Um, that's the whole bottom line of all of Hasidic thinking. Hang on just a second. Is that up until the Hasidic movement started, all of... Um, working on yourself was found in like the Musar Musar movement which is subduing the uh, evil inclination it's like beating it up until you don't desire that stuff anymore you know and every time it comes up you just hit it again and that's that's life and it's not a very happy life because you still have all these impulses but you just have to constantly hitting them but the Hasidic movement says yeah hit it to begin with but that's not your ultimate goal. Your ultimate goal is to impress the animal soul with God so that the animal soul actually seeks God. Hmm. And there's even this idea of where the godly soul can't get any closer to God. It has no growth possibilities. It came from God. You know, it's breathed out by God. It's, it says every, every man has a part of God is his godly soul. So there's no growth, there's no 
getting higher with your godly soul. No potential. But the animal soul is characterized by, um, you could say lust, because that's kind of it, but it's like desire, um, hunger. And if you can point the animal soul hunger toward Hashem, then it's never going to be satisfied with what level it's at. And it'll constantly be trying to get higher and higher and higher. And so that's where you want it. You don't want it pointed at something bad, like cheeseburgers. Girls. Girls is the obvious, but also cheeseburgers. Girls is a more prominent <laughs> issue. <laughs> I don't equate the two. By any means. <laughs> 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 that was a euphemism. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cheeseburger. Yeah. 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 I made that mistake a while ago in public. And I mean, so yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so, here's another thing about the ascetic ideology is that. And this wasn't in the discourse, but I think this was in a discourse I taught a couple weeks ago, was that you've got your godly soul and your animal soul, and the one thing that's connected to both, kind of an in-between, is your mind, it's your intellect. So you're able to, can, um, you're able to affect your animal soul mm. with your mind. Mm. And so that's where the whole idea of contemplating on God's greatness comes from. Um, the whole Tanya is replete with this idea of just stop what you're doing, take some time, especially before the prayer services and stuff, like take some time to just um, think about how great God is, either how great He is magnificent or how great He is, how much He loves you. And um, your thinking gives birth to emotions. And you can't really serve God without emotions. So we've been reading the past couple of days in the Tanya has been if your service doesn't have love and fear attached to it, those are the two wings to your service, then it can't get anywhere. It doesn't rise off this earth. Mm. There's a famous story. A rabbi opens the door to a study hall and he says to his disciples, like the study hall is filled with prayer and Torah study. And they're all impressed. And he's like, no, that's really a bad thing. Like it never left this room. It's all their prayer and Torah studies just bouncing off the ceiling. It doesn't have any wings. <laughs> and the wings are like emotional love and fear of God. Like yeah. that's, that's the true, that's kavanah. So when you're praying, it's like I feel love of God or I feel fear of God and so therefore my prayer goes up. But if I'm just running through it rote, then it's just going to sit there on the ground. You know, it's just a bunch of words. But you did fulfill your obligation. Okay. Intellect as a bridge between godly soul and animal soul. Contemplation as a way to affect the animal soul. Right? So, really interesting... Um, One quick thing on intellect. Um, they say, the Tanya talks about when you're learning this, that it's okay and actually encourage you to acknowledge, if you don't have that love and fear of Hashem, to acknowledge that you have an intellectual fear of Hashem, and that's okay. Because all that this that's comes. Right. That's right. As a, that's one of the nicest parts of the Tanya is when he's like, if you're not at that level where you can feel, like actually feel love and fear, just still do the contemplation, even if it doesn't give birth to emotions, it's in your head, and that is absolutely fine. 
could be better, but it's absolutely fine. That lines up with what as uh, Rabbi Isaac Gloria said as well in the Messalot Yisharim. Uh, he was like, if you're find that you're not going, if you're not at a point where you're performing this foot with joy and that you're doing it out of love and fear of Hashem, just do it. And, right, and you know, the come. habit will actually right. help generate that. Right, right. Okay, so Rabbi Shneur Zalman says that the way to affect the animal soul is to meditate on um, Hashem Echad, the, the lion in the Shema. That one phrase is like, that's the big thing. And to just really own the Shema. Um, but then he backs up and he says, well, the way the sages instituted for us to be able to use the Shema as a transformative um, device in prayer is the two prayers that come before the Shema during during Shacharit. And uh, if you remember, that's um, where we do like the Holy, Holy, Holy and the blessed is the place of his glory or whatever. No? Mm-hmm. What we're talking about is what do the angels say? How do the angels praise? Mm-hmm. Some of that. Mm-hmm. The, specifically the Chayot and the Ophanim. And the idea is actually to impress your animal soul and to say this is your root. Mm-hmm. Like this is where you came from. Mm-hmm. Look what your root does. Mm-hmm. It's complete submission to Hashem, mm. and it's just praising Him all the time. Clear articulation, sweetness, all that stuff. That's pretty cool. And then, yeah, it's mm. really cool. That's awesome. Something to think about next time we're davening. When I was in Los Angeles, I was in the synagogue, and all these people were just davening super hardcore in Hebrew. Mm. Um, of course, none of them are in sync. <laughs> but by the guy who I was with looks up to me, and he goes, the idea of this part of the prayer is talking about for Shema, is that everything that's going on above, we are trying to reflect that down below. So right now, like when you're in shul, when you're davening on Shakri in the morning, what you're doing, it's happening in heaven. And the goal is for you to replicate that. Mm. It's going to happen anyway. Mm. They, they do it clockwork. Mm. Yeah. That's cool. The, um, you can use like those little tiny insights into the the liturgical prayer is what we need the most, especially as as newcomers to liturgical prayer, is just even one little nugget, so that when we get to that part, we have all of a sudden all this kavanah. So I read this discourse a couple of weeks ago, like every time now I get to the blessings before the Shema, it's Bang! so cool because I'm like, like I'm talking to myself, like to the to the animal soul in my mind. I'm like, do you see? You see what's going on here? Like, you could be really cool. Uh, just listen up. And um, who knows? Look at me now, guys. He's mm-hmm. incredible. Look at the beard. Yeah, he's got a beard. That's <laughs> the number one physical manifestation of belief. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. The first verse of this Shema, the word heart is plural. It's hearts. Sages have said that means with your good inclination and your evil inclination. Mm. Oh, God, with, all, mm. with all your hearts because they both live in your heart um, and so now you see that you do your two blessings before the Shema you're telling your animal soul like here's your root and then you do the Shema Hashem Echad and you're, you're transforming the animal soul so that you can fulfill the next verse which is you should love the Lord your God with all your hearts meaning the animal soul is now supposed to desire God 
that's mm. the point of of your life for one but the Shema liturgy there supposed to transform you mm. Mm. I gotta say something um, so I was rummaging through the stories I came across this book it's called How to Make Peace with Anyone Right, it's written by a guy named David Lieberman. Um, he specializes in like human behavior, um, and uh, I was like, man, let me revisit uh, this book. And he, in it, there was a portion where he was talking about uh, man in his like natural state uh, desires independence. Right, so it's at those points where he feels like his independence is being. Uh, uh, confronted or like a fear of losing that independence where conflict occurs right so it's kind of like and it reminded me of Paul's writing in Corinthians where he talks about how the natural man right it's hard for him to serve Hashem mm-hmm. right um, and then what you're saying now it's almost saying like the, that spiritual side of yourself that higher spiritual side of yourself wants to remind you that you have a dependence right. on Hashem. Right. And so man in his natural state wants to be independent, wants to do his own thing, so to speak. And, uh, you know, I think it's it's kind of cool. Like, it, it so feels it's like it's all tied together. Yeah, it's just a different language. Because the guy, he's, he isn't speaking Torah, but right. he's merely talking about human behavior. But then to be able to bridge it out and see that... You know, man in his natural state does, you know, does literally want independence. So you get like atheism, you get all these different uh, beliefs and followings. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, when we're reminded, you know, that, that liturgical prayer uh, reminds us of our dependence on Hashem, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then reflection on our actions at the end of the day mm-hmm. reminds us of th- that we're nothing, mm-hmm. you know, that we are weak, that we need Hashem. And uh, if we continue, if our animal side is not influenced by that higher spirituality, then we're kind of stuck. Yeah. We're not moving. Yeah. Yeah. Ego, yeah, is the yeah, is the bottom line there. Um, I heard a cool teaching about the about where the Yetzer Hara and Yetzer Tov come from. Yeah, it's in Genesis two. Mm. where um, verse 7 and Hashem formed the man of the dust from the ground and he blew into his nostrils the soul of life and man became a living being if you look at the Hebrew for um, Vayitzer Adonai Elohim et Adam, and keep going this is the only place in the Torah where Vayitzer or, or, and God created or formed appears with two yuds mm. and so instead of just one and so one yud is the yetzer one yud is the yotzer mm. so the, the yotzer is the one who created that we're, we're always wanting to behave like our creator mm. and the um the yot yet and the yetzer is our inclination mm. so we've got so we're, we're leaning more to so we've got in this in this particular place right here, where Hashem forms man, you can't look at a more poignant vo- verse in the Torah. So He formed us, and there are two yuds in that creation. 
So one is our propensity towards our creator, and one is our propensity towards our own inclination. Mm-hmm. So it, it's backed up right there in scripture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The blessing right before the Shema, one of my favorite lines in that is, unify our hearts, the way mm-hmm. we love and fear exactly. your name. Yeah. Is exactly the concept oh, of two of our hearts. Oh, and it's both the love and fear. I never thought of that uh, as being one thing for me. Yeah. I always thought about me praying with him. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, our hearts need to be unified. Sure. Yeah, but, but I guess I was praying about me. He's right and he's right. <laughs> Again, both. He is on you the know, you're right. <laughs> Good. All right. We're going to switch gears now to awakenings. <laughs> Well, one quick other note on chayot, just as a side note, because I didn't read it already, but chayot means beasts, literally. And so the idea is we're talking about the chayot, and we're hoping like a chain reaction from talking about these beasts and how they're in utter submission of Hashem, chain reaction down to this beast, the animal soul. Because they're both Mm. animals. Mm. Or one of them happens Mm. to be an angel. Mm -hmm. That's the idea. Awakenings. So, um, awakenings can happen from above and below. Um, So an awakening, so here's what it is. Here's what it is. Awakening from below is, okay, we're the below and Hashem is the above, obviously. So an awakening from below is when we work on ourselves and we try to um, create within ourselves a strong desire and love of Hashem, and uh, feeling for Hashem, fear of Hashem. And we're trying to, um, all service of Hashem in general, but specifically um, wanting to attach ourselves to Hashem. Like in creating that desire could be an awakening from below. An awakening from below elicits, spiritual rule elicits a, an awakening from above, where Hashem sees that you want Him, and so he um, sends down like spiritual light into your life and now you want him even more. He, he sends you love for him. He sends you more love for him. So you That's awoke. Seek him will find him. Right, it's like mm-hmm. feedback here. We, we awoke within ourselves like a love of Hashem and he sends uh, exactly what we wanted, more revelation of Hashem. And, um, as well as the capacity to receive that love. Well, what we've done is we've made the capacity for that's the awakening from of, of, from below. So we've kind of like opened up the vessel and said like we want this to be filled by Hashem, and then Hashem fills it, and again gives you a more of a desire for Hashem, and it just chain effects. So the best case scenario, that's what happens, is you work on yourself to desire Hashem. Mm. Because it will elicit an awakening from above. Um, in the, the sages will call this like feminine waters. They're arise, raising up of feminine waters and male waters and stuff like that. The idea is that Hashem, in this relationship between us and Hashem, is male because he's a giver. And we're female because we're a receiver. Hence the bride of Messiah. Hence, yeah, I guess. All right. So, another... Um, Another awakening that we see is when an awakening from above happens first. 
shouldn't happen, right? Or awakening from below, it listens to the awakening from above. But sometimes Hashem wants to kickstart the process. And so he'll just create within man, all of a sudden, you'll just get this feeling like you desire Hashem, you want Hashem, and you want to serve Him, you want to turn your whole life around, you want mm -hmm. to um, stop running after all these material pleasures and material things and focus on the big picture, you know, focus on Hashem. And that just comes out of nowhere. You weren't working on yourself. You weren't trying to create those feelings. It just hits you all of a sudden. That's an awakening from above, which elicits an awakening from below. That's what it's supposed to do. Mm. So that's like a gift from Hashem. They have a, um, an example, kind of. It's the creation of the world, in that there was definitely no awakening from below because there was no one there. There's, there was nothing. Then Hashem jumpstarts the process of creating the earth, and then He puts man in it, and has him till the earth. So the idea is kind of like that's man's awakening from below. But what jumpstarted it was Hashem put him there. Doesn't matter. It's just an example. Wouldn't this also be a great explanation for what happened with the disciples? Uh, explain. Well, like they were just there, you know, fishing. And he, Yeshua comes up and says, oh, come follow me. And then all of a sudden, like, oh. That could be. That could be. Interesting perspective. I hear you. I'm listening. <laughs> okay, so this explains uh, practically two levels of service. One is where we work on ourselves. It elicits more revelation from Hashem. The other is where Hashem just gives us a revelation. What we see is that if Hashem just gives you like an excitement for Hashem, it doesn't last very long. Hmm. Um, and this is where this is where the complaints from people come that say like, you know, I've I was just like all about Hashem for maybe a day or maybe a week or a month, and now it's all faded and you know back to normal living. And it's like where did that feeling go? The, the reason is that was an awakening from above. And it doesn't have any permanence because it, it doesn't have any, um, the vessel wasn't ready. It's just this man uh, all of a sudden feels an excitement. And then when Hashem, when the auspicious time of Hashem's favor moves on, the excitement goes away. Mountaintop experience. Leaves. Exactly. Exactly. Mountaintop experience. So, um, there are times during the year, during the day, when Hashem, a favorable time, we say, um, I think in Mincha, on Shabbos, we say, um, hey, my prayers can come at opportune time. At an opportune time. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what we're talking about. It's like at a time when Hashem can be found. So, if you could just help me out here, because I think there's, I just read recently, like the sages were saying how when man encounters God, typically it leaves like a forever mark. Like you see Yaakov with his mm -hmm. limp, and then you see Moshe with his face is glowing. You know, like so. What is that? What is, is that not really related because it's a different yeah. type of interaction? Yeah, not related. So that's, that's like actually seeing God. The physical, a physical interaction with God. Yeah, we're just talking about like you. And so like okay. you're davening one day, and you weren't working on yourself. And then all of a sudden you like you're like wow I really love Hashem, you know and I want to I'm just gonna stop I'm gonna stop going to my job, 
because it's just a waste of time. You know, it's not changing anything in this world. Jesus, leave me by. You know, it's going to start going on street corners or having to fill it or something like that, you know? And then it goes away at the end of davening, and you're like, ah, never mind, going back to the job. And so that's like just an awakening from above, not followed by an awakening from below. Does it have to be quite as weird as that? No, I was just, oh, just checking. Okay. Yeah. I guess the trouble was. See like, Greg on Harris Boulevard. That's yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> I'm rapping, baby! Big sign. Rap with sound, me. It kind of makes it sound like. Teach me to rap. Is that, uh, that effective. It's so, not. Well, but. It's not. Then, it's not. I guess I, it, would, it would. It seems a little like. Why would we want to think of that as Hashem then? Maybe that's like why would an awakening thing. Like, if, if it's like it just kind of fades, like and goes away, is it? That like, happens all the time, work? though. Yeah. Well, but I always think of that as like myself, like maybe maybe it's been God all along, and you've been attributing well, it I to just, yourself. I don't know. It just sounds like it sounds kind of weak. Sun rises, the sun sets. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. There's a solution to the permanence problem. That's what we're talking about, is the permanence problem. It fades. And the reason it fades is because you didn't have a vessel ready to contain that kind of light. You you got shined on by Hashem, and it got you all excited for a couple uh, months, but you weren't ready for that. Think of Sinai. Yeah. Think of TLS. Pesach. Think of Sinai. Itself. Like how it lasted, then you know they walked through the sea, and then in the wilderness it was like they just forgot all they, that. They started complaining. That's they, it. you know, that doesn't diminish the giving of the Torah. Yeah, I mean, the best right, thing that yeah. ever happened, but yeah. it just shows that the vessels that received it didn't. They couldn't, they were, couldn't, weren't ready for. It. Yeah. Also, yeah. their souls left them like three times. They're what? And they yeah. died. No, let's not get crazy. They died. Yeah, they, yeah, well, they, they died. They were at the forty-nine gate. So okay, so Greg <laughs> has brought up this before. Maybe you guys have heard him say it. It was back in his, you know, pre-having a son days. But it's this <laughs> Talmudic statement. You, I'm sure you've heard it before. It's the Talmud tells you basically how to have a male child. And it says, <coughs> it says, this is what it says. If the woman gives seed first, the child, the offspring will be male. And if the man gives seed first, the offspring will be female. Who knew? Well, they, everyone knew about it. <laughs> so, the Jews knew everybody. The sages knew. We know who's not reading the Talmud. So, this is um, obviously that's very sexual, but this can be interpreted in light of what we've just talked about. The sages see um, the woman in general as um, fickle, emotionally based kind of thing. Not in you know, not trying to stereotype. But in this particular Talmudic statement, the idea here is, remember, we're the female side of the relationship, and God is the male side of the relationship. And so if God, the man, gives seed first, which is cause, is an awakening from above first, the offspring will be female, it will be fickle, and it won't last. Hmm. Wow. But if the woman gives seed first, like we have an awakening from below, precedes anything then the offspring will be male the resulting love will be steadfast and um, strong that's the idea hmm. that's Tell good Tell us. okay yes oh, I yeah. preach brother okay do you know uh, not to put you on the spot do you know where the town is I, I have the book it's in Nida okay 
That track date's fun. Okay. That's <laughs> what I mean. <laughs> cover to cover. Got it. Thank you. Is that your favorite track date? No. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot more about how to have a male child in that particular track date, too. Okay, so guys. Let's so move on from having a male child. Help with that. <laughs> right. That's you true. have a son. Yeah. You do. Could you have All right. So now, with this above info, we can look at this verse again. It says, if a man brings of you a sacrifice, you know what? Let me just write out the rest of the verse. It'll just take me a second. Take your time, man. We're good. Here's for you with that pen. We're good. Two gems. It's a multi-person task. Oh, boy. What version did you memorize? This version. This is the wooden translation. The wooden translation. It's a very heavy Bible. First class, Kyle. Pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. My first class. We talked about angels. Sheep or flock? I remember it. Crazy. That was my first class too. I think. No, you know what? It wasn't. But he was talking about the, 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 the films. Yeah, that, I think that was supposed to first time. Was it first? I thought you were there before. I don't know. I like those songs. Thanks, man. No, I don't know. 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 I don't Okay, this is about you read the verse to us, bro. <clears throat> if a man brings of you a sacrifice to Hashem of the animal, of the cattle, of the sheep, shall you bring your sacrifice? Just remember, this part's plural. The your in here is a y'all's sacrifice. Y'all shall bring. This is third person. This is second person. This is singular. And the order's wrong. Not wrong, but odd. So looking at what we just looking at what we just learned, awakenings, two souls, etc. The first thing that we can do is say that this is is man with a capital M. It's actually talking about Hashem. This is talking about the man on the throne, the supernal man. Mm. So can we really call Hashem a man? Yes, absolutely, because. Man is like code name for the revelation of the Sephirot, and God ain't sof, unknowable, undefinable, completely undefinable, unapproachable, and yet, um, so the idea is that when he reveals himself through the Sephirot, he's called a man. He's called primordial man, supernal man. Adam Kadmon, I think, or something like that. So the idea is, if a man brings of you a sacrifice, is an awakening from above. It's if a man like Hashem brings of you a sacrifice. So it, it's not a man bringing a, an animal sacrifice. It's Hashem bringing you. He's a, he's bringing you up to himself, hmm. right? Wow. This explains why man is singular why the rest of this is all plural because we're talking about Hashem, Hashem Echad he's just one so we wouldn't be able to put that in plural so it's if a man like um, supernal man brings of you 
a sacrifice. That's the awakening from above. Wow. If it had said if a man if a man of you brings, then it would just mean a guy of Israel brings a sacrifice. But it says if a man brings of you. So it's talking about Hashem bringing you closer to himself. It's mm-hmm. an awakening from above. Okay? So then the next part of the verse says, of the animal, of the cattle, of the sheep, shall you bring your sacrifice. So now we're not talking about a man, we're talking about you, and it's in plural, which means we're talking about Israel. We're talking about them bringing, what did they bring? Animal. So the Sirahs from below? What this is, is this is advice from God. This is good advice from God. So the problem was that if you have an awakening from above, it doesn't have any permanence. And this is how you fix the problem. When you have an awakening from above, if a man brings of you a sacrifice to Hashem, of the animal, of the cattle, of the sheep, shall you bring your sacrifice. Meaning when you have an awakening from above, at that very time, you need to start purifying, subduing your animal soul. He brings your godly soul closer to himself, you bring to Hashem your animal soul. And it will be permanent. So the idea is this is how you this is how you establish permanence if an awakening from above is what started it all. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah. You, it's beautiful. It does make sense conceptually, but how does that you know, in the example of Greg is davening and all of a sudden he feels an inclination to go rap in the street corners. It would be a longer awakening from above <laughs> than just stopping. Um, but the idea would be as soon as he's got this excitement for Hashem, he he looks at his animal soul and figures out like what kind of person he is, what he's weak in, and he um, he hits it. I see. All That's how you prolong it. And you direct it. It becomes permanent. Yeah. When it I becomes a permanent effect. You get able yeah. to receive it later. That's what amazing. I think. You get able to like so like. Revelate like the awakening from above comes down. You're not fit to receive it, so right. you have to open up your capacity. Right. When it comes back down again, and you were able to receive it, then it's locked in. It comes down when it's right there on you. You change yourself, and you point your animal soul to itself, and that awakening becomes right. permanent. So you use it right. as a wake up call. Exactly, which is what All it right. was. But then you have to take action to make it permanent. You have to take action to make it permanent. Is the bottom line. This is this is what the verse means. Is that if you get an awakening from above, immediately take action to transform your animal soul. Like the first thing you think of, or this is like sure. Okay. First thing you think. Which kind of reminds us of like the zeal chapter from Esther yeah. Shining, like acting quickly with alacrity, mm-hmm. running after the Israel. Yeah. This was kind of, uh, Rabbi Jonathan Sachs mentioned this in, in the context of the predominant, well, not maybe, it was a very controversial view of the sacrifices from Rambam that he wrote yeah. about in the Guide for the Perplexed, which was basically like saying the sacrifices, kind of boiling it down to the fact that they were only there because Israel was so steeped in pagan practice that they needed like a like a gateway kind of thing to like lead them out of pagan practices, but if if they if just took them out completely, they would have 
maybe it wouldn't have gone well. You know, if they, yeah. if they basically if they quit cold turkey, that wouldn't have worked. So we need to like ease them off of it, and that was the purpose of the sacrifices, which that, was why. That's what Rambam said. That's what Rambam. That's said. why they wanted to excommunicate him. <laughs> well, which is also yeah, and and then of course this idea came around and was quite quite a huge shift for a lot of people realizing now that like how important the Torah is like fully not yeah. that there's a part of it that was just there because it was um, helping those people yeah, yeah. Ramban Ramban um, completely disagreed with Rambam as yeah. did the vast majority of the sages yeah um, but his take was that of a peacemaker and it was because of him, a hundred years later, who said, the Rambam is a great man and wrote some great things. And we need to give him a bye. And his, his whole peacemaking thing worked. And it just, the whole issue just kind of went away. Because Rambam chose to step up and uh, step in the gap. Pretty cool. Guy for the full touch. Big mistake. Uh, so we're on the same page here. Waiting on you. Okay, what so page you want? I'm just going to flip the board and you have another verse. We're just going to look at that. It says the same thing. So page two. Song of Songs 1 4 says, Can you see it okay? Yeah. Draw us, let us run after you. The king has brought me into his chambers. And so this is the idea, just the first part, it says, Draw us. Let us run after you. So the same action. He initiates. So draw us as the awakening from above. Then the permanence established from below. And then we take action. Run and zeal. Wow. Then immediately after, let us run after you. Um, with an awakening from above. Let us run, run, let us run after you. Right. <coughs> um, I don't know if it says it here, but I'll go ahead and say it now. It's plural. Um, the us? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> this, is, this is actually supposed to be me. It says, draw me, let us run that you. Uh-huh. And then it says, the king has brought me into his chambers. We'll talk about that in a second. So, so the us is the two souls? Right. Well, that's the bottom line. So is the me is Hashem. No, no. Draw me is I'm just drawing the godly soul. Huh. Uh, Hashem is drawing the godly soul, and then we work on ourselves in order to, so the animal soul wants God as well, and it says, "Let us run after you," meaning both both when you love the Lord your God with all your hearts, we'll both run after you. So what's the down here? So we'll talk about that later. Sounds important. So uh, bottom line again, as we were saying, was awakening from above. If that comes first, what you've got to immediately do is start working on yourself contemplating God's greatness and trying to transform your animal soul so that it desires God as well. So that will make the awakening from above have a permanent effect on your life. Alright, so this is also why they say, they just say that the person who says amen to a blessing is greater than the person who says the blessing itself. Why would that be? It doesn't make any sense. The person the blessing should be greater. Same idea. It's like if you think of it as the person who's saying the blessing is kind of like the awakening from above. And the person who's in darkness here hears the blessing and they respond with Amen. And so that's sort of like an awakening from below. 
to this person just mm -hmm. said the blessing. Mm -hmm. And so this is greater. It's greater because when it, when it happens like that, when you get the light and the reflected light, it's a permanent effect. It causes a chain reaction. Okay. So uh, it says the sacrifice um, on this other side of it that we just looked at. The man brings a sacrifice of you, but it's not like all of you, it's of you. And so the idea is that the man, the supernal man, is only um, awakening the godly soul. That's what happens when you get an awakening from above, because the, the godly soul is, that's where it's all from. Right? So the supernal man awakens the godly soul, but it leaves the animal soul completely unaffected. The animal soul is steeped in materialism and stuff. Mm. And so the animal soul is asleep to all this awakening. The godly soul gets woken up by supernal man, and it's like, wants to be with Hashem immediately, to the point of like even leaving this body. Like, just kill me now so I can be with Hashem. But the animal soul is not woken up at all. Doesn't care. The animal soul constantly going down. So our task is to purify the animal soul so that it wants the divine. We wake up the animal soul within us is kind of the idea. And so one who purifies his animal soul, soul is called a servant of Hashem, Oved Hashem. Where Oved shares the same root with tanned hides, which is Orot Avudim. Really? Yeah. What's the idea there is tan hide is a piece of leather. Before it got tanned, it's useless. <laughs> but through tanning it, which is an involved process, it's a hard process, on this piece of skin, it becomes able to be used for, for a holster. Even for a site to fill it. That's true. You know, it, could be a, it could be a holy purpose now that it's been tanned. So uh, an, an Oved Hashem, a servant of Hashem, is someone who's purified his animal soul. Just like the idea of taking a piece of skin and turning it into a piece of leather mm. is, uh, is the same idea. Did you have your hand raised? Makes me think about some of the people that, who were called servant of Hashem, the Torah. Mm. Um, and of course Moses... But he wasn't called that until, like, right around the time he died. He was 120 years old. Um, and then later, Joshua, he was called the servant of Hashem close to the end of his life. Uh, but a good 10 years earlier in age than Moses. And then, I'm just thinking out loud, sorry. But there, it's, it'd be probably pretty cool to see where all so the rest the of the... Yeah, exactly, well, where all the rest of the... Tzadikim, who were referred to as Servant servants of Ovid Hashem. Mm. And then, of course, there's the prophet Ovid, Ovadiah, mm. or Ovadiah, you know, it's servant of Yah, servant of Hashem. This idea of the godly soul um, having a natural love for Hashem, and the animal soul not having a natural love for Hashem, and the supernal man can wake up that which has a natural love. It wakes up the godly soul, but it doesn't wake up the animal soul. Um, we see in Song of Songs a lot 
where he says like my my sister my bride or like my sister my beloved or something like that and Rabbi Shir Zalman hones in on that as that's what we're talking about is the two two different relationships that we're expressing to Hashem like the brother-sister relationship is natural because they come from the same source a love there is easy but uh, your bride your beloved is you don't come from the same source and so that's a relationship that takes work and a, and a lot a lot more interaction mm. it's not a natural love so that's like the tanned hide where it's going to take some work to purify the animal soul to love Hashem it's a really good explanation uh, sure is. Uh, I think I'm going to give all of all the couples that get married in the future, a piece of untanned leather. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you must tan this to get fashion into a holster. <laughs> a holster. <laughs> this you <laughs> shall learn. There's uh, sages that whip your first children. That's horrible. Sages uh, talk about um, when a person's being conceived, uh, the angels say, What shall this drop be? You probably heard this before. They they say like Hashem makes these decisions. He says like he's gonna be wise or he's gonna be foolish. He's gonna be rich or he's gonna be poor. And he goes through a bunch of different things. Tall, short, you know, bearded, unbearded, whatever. The whole thing is determined. And then the only thing he doesn't say is whether he's gonna be righteous or wicked. Hmm. Hashem doesn't determine that for a person. And so the idea is that's in our court whether we're going to be righteous or wicked. And the idea is, it's in your accord whether you're going to purify the animal soul or not. That's the difference. Like, do you do you get this materialistic side of you to point to Hashem or not? It's not something predetermined by Hashem that said, you're going to be a tzaddik, you know. You're going to be a rasha. It's not going to be like that. And we already talked about... Um, um, the two blessings before the Shema showing the animal soul its root <coughs> and its root is where? The ox. Face to the ox. Mm. But interesting, the verse here said you can bring your sacrifice, an animal, from the cattle or the sheep. And so Shnir Zalman hones in on that and says, well, that's the two types of animal souls. That's the two types of people there are in this world. Cattle people and sheep people. Cattle people are ill-tempered. Their weakness is anger. They get, um, they get, it's very easy to upset them. That's their weak spot. Sheep people, pleasure seekers. They're bleeding around, bleating around. You know, they'll do whatever you want, but they're just seeking pleasure. And so he says, identify yourself. If you're uh, cattle or, or if you're sheep, and then subdue it. Like all, none of those is good. Cattle or sheep is not good. Both of those have to be sacrificed to Hashem. Holy mm. mm. burnt up. <laughs> that's Holy crazy, crazy, dude. That's amazing. That's crazy. That is scary. That's just. That's amazing. I mean, it just. That hits so close to home, it hurts. Yeah, anyway. Let's look at the last part of this verse then. Draw me, let us run after you. The king has brought me into his chambers. Is this intimacy with the king? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. we'll just, so it looks like I have the whole verse here anyway, so we'll just go over it more times. Let us run after you is plural, because now we're serving Hashem with both inclinations. We got the awakening from above, we purify our animal soul, so both godly and animal is now seeking Hashem. Mm. That's the important step. Then it says, the king has brought me into his chambers. Then there's oddities with this verse as well. So it's singular again. Sprach noted, brought me into his chambers. It's past tense. This part's not past tense. This is future-ish. This is a request. Draw me. Let us run into his chambers. Let, let us run after you. The king has brought me into his chambers. Weird. It's like rearrange this story into the proper right. order. Right. <laughs> so, chambers is the Torah. Specifically, the six words of the Mishnah. There's a proof for that, but there's no reason to go into the proof. There is no me. reason to go into it, but for those of us who are noobs with the Mishnah, what are the six words of the Mishnah? No, the six orders. orders. Oh, the six orders of the Mishnah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> there we go. Okay. I don't know them by heart yet. Okay. But... It's the Torah. So the Torah, right? So the king. So the king has brought me into his chambers. He's brought me into his Torah, right? But it's past tense. So what we're referring to is what our sages teach us: is that when a child is in the womb, it's taught the whole Torah. Right. So it's past tense because the king has already taught me the whole Torah, right? And the Torah is this ray of light that's so powerful that it could transform the animal soul to seek Hashem. And so we're taught the whole Torah before we're born so that when we're born, when we're alive here on this earth, He can draw us because we already know the whole Torah. But we're made to forget it, as you know. As soon as we come out of the womb, an angel slaps us in the face, and we forget the whole Torah. Why? Is that the frenulum effect? Yeah, is it right here? Sorry, slap. It's called the frenulum. Yeah, it's called the angel slap mark. <laughs> slap mark. If you're born with a beard, they wouldn't be with slap. <laughs> I can just see Kyle going home. Dad, you wouldn't believe. Yeah. It. <laughs> we talked about angels getting yeah. slapping you. Yeah. And, <laughs> Yeah, it was wild. Yeah. <laughs> that taken out of context. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, um, yeah well, I think that was a different touch on our touch. Touch. Touch by an angel. It's really powerful, actually, is this light that the Torah is. At the birth of my child, I'm going to be standing there like this. Angels in the outfield, I see angels. Yeah. <laughs> the light of the Torah is so powerful that can transform the animal soul of Hashem. But we're made to forget it so that we can be credited oh, with, seeking. with seeking. So we can work on ourselves by relearning the Torah. But we already have this connection to the king. So draw me, let us run after you. The king has already brought me into his chambers. Like You're able to draw me because I've already been taught the whole Torah before birth. So I have this, this light that's part of me. So I have the ability to, to change my animal soul's desire to you mm. because I was already taught the whole Torah as a chaplain. Us being largely Gentiles, um, we're very probably very familiar with this because 
you know, we weren't doing this our whole lives. We weren't we we weren't taught this as children for the most part. And so, I'm sure all of you can agree. When we first started getting into this, there was this feeling of it just being excited, right, and excited, right. And and that's how we know it's sure, yeah, because yeah, you've yeah, experienced it before. So you even teach that um, the whole Torah was taught to us so that we would be able to grasp the mystical side of the Torah when we're out of the womb because it's too complicated for if you didn't know it already but you did know it already in the womb so it's you're like able deja to yeah. I've seen it somewhere I get it yeah Torah no problem <laughs> he equals empty squared <laughs> okay so this is the last part. The yeah, thing to see is the sages yeah. hold back a leaf to like Goodness every bad. single person. Just... That's what they want. Last part. Last part. What time? Don't need to get into it. It's uh, twenty of nine. Okay. Um, yeah, pretty much the last part is that this whole time we've been talking about an awakening from above, and um, it seemed like if an awakening up from above is what comes first, then. It's kind of um, random, like any time God wants to, he could just send into a man's life this like, excitement for Hashem, this love for Hashem. And if you don't act on it, then it's going to dissipate. It's true, but an awakening from above, Rabbi Shnazalman tells us, can actually be elicited by Torah study. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So we can elicit an awakening from above, that will elicit an awakening from below from us. So wait, hold on. This is like awakening inception. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> we, don't want, we don't have like this awakening. We want it, so we study Torah. A dream within a dream. And all of a sudden, Hashem gives us an awakening. And then we act. And then we act, and we like... We like transform that animal soul. And, we keep and that awakening is permanent now. So technically, but it that, is still up to you. To initiate it. But only if, if you want to spin Torah study. Yeah. yeah. So is that intellectual then? Is the, the part where you study Torah, is that your, or is that the only kind of way? You can't fake genuine inspiration. I think that, that helps understand a little bit more because when you had sent out the central list for like an extremely busy person who doesn't have an hour and a half to pray, that like these are the top highlights. I was really surprised when you sent that, that one of them was the blessings for the Torah. Mm. But then I realized as I as I was doing it, like, oh, that means I'm going, if, I, if this blessing is not going to be in vain, that means I'm going to have to study Torah later. Because mm-hmm. this is the first, I'm doing this first in my day. And so it actually, I, I totally get why that's required now, because then it's going to encourage you and kind of force you to study Torah throughout the entire day, wow. which is going to kickstart this process that you're describing. And it's a chain, like... If you respond to the awakening from above, what you're doing is you're doing an awakening from below by working on yourself, right. which is eliciting another awakening from above. You know, and you just get higher and higher and higher. The idea is to not let it stop and stop. So why is Torah study eliciting an awakening from above? Because we're saying that the awakening from above comes from supernal man. That's the the... Hashem, basically, as expressed in the Sefirot. Well, we've heard before the 248 um, negative commandments, positive. the positive commandments, 365 negative commandments, um, correspond to the um, to the body. 
right? And specifically the body of Hashem, like of supernal man. So like the, the sinews of supernal man are these these mitzvot. And the bones of the supernal man are these mitzvot. And so Torah study is drawing close supernal man. You're drawing close Hashem as is revealed in the in this Sephirot. Mm. Right? The verse we say um, twice each day, three times each day, I guess, in the in the Ashray is um, Hashem is close to all the call upon him, to all the call upon him sincerely. The word there is Ba'emet, in yeah. truth. Sages say there is no truth besides Torah. So Hashem is close to all the call upon him, to all the call upon him in, in with the Torah. And so you, that's how you draw Hashem close. That's how you draw close for the awakening is with the Torah, Torah study. <coughs> that's like a major proof text for that verse. Then um, sages interpret this verse as talking about Torah study. He says, but if he takes refuge in me, he will have peace for me. He will have peace for me. Isaiah 27. Refuge is ma'oz, like ma'oz tor. And he says, well, that's like oz and oz strength. And the sages say, there is no strength except Torah. So whoever studies Torah has peace for me. And that reminds us of that other verse that says peace, peace, peace to the far and to the near. The idea is that Torah study brings that which is far near. Hmm. So Hashem is far away, it comes hmm. near because of the Torah study. Hmm. Right. Okay. And what are the sacrifices called? Korbanah? Exactly. Exactly. And so if a man brings, the word for bring even, bring is near. bring near. Who is that? Exactly. Even the the preface to if a man brings, which we've already determined is an awakening from above, if a man brings of you a sacrifice, what's the what's the sentence that comes right before that is speak to the children of Israel and say to them. So Hashem is saying to Moshe, speak to the children of Israel. This is like Torah study. You know, um, listening listening to Moshe. Is Torah study. So Torah study, and then if a man brings a view. So mm. the Torah study elicits the man bringing you close. Okay? And so then all of this corresponds to Pesach. Mm-hmm. Of course it does. Mm-hmm. Or else it would be an inappropriate class mm-hmm. for the week before Pesach. Is that it, or you got a little bit on that one, son? I bet you guys can fill in the gaps. <laughs> <laughs> I might. It's um, it's worth noting. Uh, running and, and returning as a kind of a base baseline principle. We should know is running and returning is how we interact with God. Hashem, you, that's the idea of like getting close and then kind of going back, getting close and going back, constantly in flux. And everything in nature is like this. You don't ever have this thing where it gets close and stays there. And so that's not what Hashem wants of us. To, to, um, you know, um, the godly soul goes up, and we, we live, you know, the ascetic life, and and we're close to Hashem, and and we're just there. He wants the godly soul to, to get close and then bring that light back, transform the animal soul, you know, and go up again and bring it back and keep getting higher and higher, just running and returning, up and down, and so. Um, Pesach, or the exodus from Egypt, corresponds to like the getting close to Hashem. It's an awakening from above. Um, 
he attracts their godly souls. It even says Israel had to flee Egypt. And the sages say that's because their animal souls weren't awakened by this at all. So they had to run away from their animal souls. Because hmm. their animal souls wanted them to stay in Egypt. So they had to flee Egypt because Hashem was just pulling their godly souls. So that's like the running part of it. And then then right after um, right after Pesach, we do the count of the Omer, which is the, the barley offering, which is an offering for animals. And so that's like right after this initial calling, now immediately we're going to start working on our animal souls. And we've, I think a couple of us have done it before, where each of the seven weeks corresponds to each of the emotional attributes of your animal soul, and you work on it for seven weeks. Netzach of Yisod and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Right after your, the awakening of Pesach, you're transforming your animal soul until the very end, you get Shavuot, which is the giving of the Torah. And the idea is that this giving of the Torah is, is, is crazy big. Like that's the biggest event of all. And so it's an encouragement that if you have an awakening from above and you respond with an awakening from below and you, below and you, you uh, transform your animal soul, then you reach this new level and you have the giving of the Torah. You have this new revelation of Torah, this new closeness to Hashem that wasn't there before. It wasn't there when we took him out of Egypt. Mm. It's like a um, um, higher level. In fact, the way Shneer Zalman puts it is the awakening from above is of the level of if a man brings of you. And then this corresponding awakening is of the level of... Um, for he is not a man. And it's the idea of like above the Sephirozine. So it's like it's, it's Hashem, his essence. Mm. So even closer to Hashem. And that is it. Mm. Wow. Well done, sir.